Hello, listeners, and welcome to episode 247 of the Spoiler Alert podcast, brought to you by MovieOutsiders.com. This is Mike. I'm here with Danny, and tonight we're reviewing the cinematic story of a provision attached to a life insurance policy that amends the coverage terms for those (laughs) engaged in the rodeo, The Rider. Danny, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Mike. Well, it's about a rodeo rider. Okay. I think you're close. Yeah, zeroing in. It'd be great if it really was about an insurance rider. And about what that and it's really intense. It's like is. a John Grisham yeah. novel. Like they, yeah, he gets, yeah. He gets really specific about it. Yeah. And, Gary yeah. Busey's in it. Yeah. Ed Harris shows up to add some gravitas. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. It's that kind of movie. Yeah. All right. So why why are we we reviewing this one? I think this was a listener submitted uh, request, yes. right? Yeah. Yes, listener request, and it's also one of the best reviewed movies of the year. I mean, this movie it was very critically acclaimed and nominated for a number of Independent Spirit Awards and won and was nominated for a whole host of awards across the film festival circuit. Yeah. So this is just one of those movies that um, definitely flew under the radar, but from a critic standpoint, it's really well lauded. And can I just one second gripe about the Independent Spirit Awards? So I feel like this movie, The Rider, that we'll talk about in just a moment, really is an independent film. But when you look at the other nominees and the ultimate winners of this year's Independent Spirit Awards, it's all the movies that were also nominated for an Academy Award, mm. like The Favorite and Roma and oh, okay. The Wife and If Beale Street Could Talk and Can You Ever Forgive Me. Like, now, I know those were probably independently financed, but ultimately weren't those released kind of through the studio system? And they, they certainly were, got yeah. major backing I kind of thought Independent Spirit Awards were for movies like this, where it really is like truly independent. Isn't that the ceremony that's like the uh, that's done on the eve of the Oscars, like on Venice Beach or something yep. weird like that? Yeah, yeah. on the beach. So, yeah, okay. so people yes. go show barefoot. Yeah, right. <laughs> so yes, I guess I would have imagined that we'd see more films like this in in that sort of ceremony right i know nothing about them so you can gripe about it all you want i know nothing about the independent spirit awards i don't even know who wins them well you know who wins them because this year it was glenn close and it was roma and it was sorry to bother you i mean it's all these films you're like yeah yeah yeah. we've heard and seen all about them throughout the the awards season so now i feel like it's kind of like just one more award show as opposed to really being about independent film However, the winners that you just rattled off did not come away with a ton of Academy love, right? I mean, yeah, sorry Roma to bother you, wasn't certainly. nominated. Yeah, okay, Roma did well. It didn't get it the didn't big one that it was badly. expected yeah, to yeah. get. But Glenn Close obviously walked away with nothing. Sorry to bother you, was not nominated. Richard E. Grant. I mean, it's, uh, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Regina King. Right. I mean, it's pretty close. So let's quickly talk about the Academy Awards this year. How did you feel about this year's? Academy Awards. You know, I think that this this year in general was disappointing, and the ceremony itself was a hot mess. I think there were a couple of funny moments. I liked Melissa McCarthy in her rabbit dress. I liked sure. Tina Fey and Amy Poehler and Always. Maya Rudolph yeah. at the beginning. Of course, they're going to be great. I don't think that the ceremony itself suffered from the lack of a host. I just think that the ceremony suffered from the lack of movies worth cheering for. And I think that that was the theme of this year, that it was in general a C-minus kind of year. Like, the the movies that were nominated for Best Picture, like Green Book, I'd be like, yeah, that was a 
that was a solid B minus, and that was the yeah. best picture. And I feel like it won best picture because it was a solid B minus, as opposed right. to most other movies that were nominated for anything, which I don't think got to that level. How about you? I feel the same. I mean, part of this episode, we always do sort of a recap of the year and your top movies. I- I just, when I went through, there was a list of movies that I really enjoyed. There were a number that I really disliked, but the bigger list was those that I was just disappointed in or kind of felt like I was really excited for that one. It just let me down. Like first man, you know, to me is like emblematic of that. Like I had high hopes and it just didn't quite deliver. Um, And there's a number in that category, but, but the Academy Awards themselves, I thought the show was probably the worst telecast Maybe that I've ever sat through, or at least since like the Whoopi Goldberg hosted years. And not because there wasn't a host. I agree with you. I think that part was fine, um, or the, the not having a host. But it just, like, the, there were many winners whose speeches were just terrible. I mean, I think right up front, I think the people who won Best Makeup, like, there were three <laughs> of them, and they could not get through. It was like the second award, and they just couldn't get through their speech. Yeah, and it was it was catastrophic. It was, we were all just watching. stumble right out of the gate. Yeah, oh, right. brutal. Yeah. And then just you know the banter is always bad. And this year though, th- having things like uh, Mike Myers and Dana yeah. Carvey show up to do Wayne's World riffs, like really, we had to do that to introduce Bohemian Rhapsody. That's like the only cultural touchstone. I mean, it just felt like the, the producers and and the whole you know the Academy is really trying to get this show to skew younger and more hip and the way they did that was by bringing out stars of a movie from 1991 right <laughs> and then it's just like there was barbara streisand was there and bet midler sang i mean it felt like an academy awards from 1988 or something bet midler singing was to me the low light of the ceremony and it's not because <laughs> i hate bet midler i i don't I, this isn't a diss on bet midler but the song that she sang which was from mary poppins returns was my favorite song nominated this year and probably from a movie this year i thought that it was beautiful and a touching moment in a wonderful movie and she sang it so so much less enthusiastically than emily blunt did it was just really disappointing it just sounded like an old woman singing a good song (laughs) like like judy garland coming out to sing a standard in the 60s and it's like oh that's great we gotta we gotta give her a standing ovation at carnegie hall but she's not what she used to be and that was really disappointing and then barbara streisand wearing that black hat was really oh weird looking it, it was just all it just odd. it really felt you know and it's funny that you had streisand and bet midler because it felt like from the late 80s and 30 years ago in yeah. 1989 it was driving miss daisy so it kind of felt like they just rewound the tape and green book was gonna win so they just tried to replicate like a weird <laughs> late 80s oscars i don't know if you caught it but like as they were cutting to commercial after bet midler sang that song for mary poppins returns she got a full standing ovation and was there like blowing kisses and bowing for a good like 30 seconds as they cut yeah. to commercial. And I'm wondering, did anybody in the theater like prompt this? Like, you know, they know the camera's still running. Everybody get on their feet. Or was this just a truly, we're just going to applaud a legend of the yeah. stage well, and screen she, for She a also moment. in that same moment, they, she had her mic and she was trying to talk and they'd turn the mic off. So they muted her mic, kind of like, all right, you're done. You're yeah. done. <laughs> so I mean, they gave her the clap, you know, the, the, the applause, but I kind of felt they like... They gave her the clap. A, yeah. just, <laughs> they gave her the clap. Yeah. <laughs> she's had it before. It's fine. 
Well, maybe we should talk about the rider and let's just do our sort of quick 2018 sort of best and worst of the year at the end of the episode. Cause let's, let's really Sounds drill good. into the rider let's, and you're going to hit us with a quick plot recap. Yeah. Okay. So it, this is not about an insurance rider. It, it is seriously the story of Brady Blackburn who was a rodeo cowboy until uh, he suffered a life threatening head injury uh, which has ultimately required him to quit the trade. Early in the movie, we meet his hard-living father, his autistic sister, his best friend who suffered a similar injury fate, but was rendered significantly more disabled as a result of it. The absence of a mother who may have also fell victim to the rodeo dance. I couldn't quite tell what the history was there, but it was uh, sort of implied and really over the course of the two hours, it's the story of how to how Brady figures out what to do with himself and do the best for those around him in a landscape that doesn't allow much opportunity for those who right. picked his profession and are no longer in it. And and that's the story of the writer. What did you think of the film? I liked it. It was an interesting movie, different than than a lot of what I've seen this year. So I could certainly appreciate that. It's certainly a slow burn, and there's not a lot to um, to feel happy about throughout the hour and a half, which I think was was a little bit tough for me. It's like yeah. not, not only is it a slow burn, not only is it depressing. Like I, I, I compare it to a movie like. Uh, Wind River, which was a really depressing movie that we watched about a year, year and a half ago. Right. But was kind of a thriller, so kind of kept you on the edge of your seat to see what was happening. This is not a thriller. This is not an edge of your seat movie. This is sort of a a day in the life, month of the life kind of movie about a guy falling on hard times. And there is nothing going right for him at all. And And so that was tough, but it was really well acted and beautifully shot. So I agree that it was a beautifully shot and very well acted and well directed film. I thought it was slower and I thought it was sad, but I wouldn't go as far as depressing. And I really think that's because the main character really seems to just kind of stand right on that razor's edge of he could be depressed. He could just lay down and die. He could just roll over, but he spends much of the movie either trying to kind of pick up his life and and move on sort of despite his yeah. injury and and find something else and in the end really just decides that the rodeo is what he wants to do even if it someday means his life he's going to go back and do so i just felt like it was it was more hopeful maybe or at least like it was more determined than just a movie sort of wallowing in self-pity and and tragedy so and I also thought it was slower, but not boring. So I actually really liked the movie. I, I, at the end of the day, I thought this is really well made. It's beautiful. It's well acted. It's a quiet, smaller film, kind of a, a quiet slice of life. But I thought it was really well done. It, did I use the word boring before? Because I, I don't no, feel like no, I, you just okay, said slow. Okay. And I just I, for anyone listening, I just feel like it is slow, but I didn't find it boring. I didn't find like, come on. I, I didn't either. I think that, you know, there were some scenes that dragged a tad. I mean, there's a lot of horse montages. In this movie. If you like horse montages, you are going to love the ride. There, there's a lot horse of those. Montage. Right? There were moments where it could, it could drag into being a bit one note. But, but I agree with you completely that the, the main character, Brady, 
is almost a heroic protagonist in his ability to care for his sister, uh, despite his dad's clear problems with, with drinking and gambling, still still exhibit love for his father and uh, certainly for his best friend. There's a scene where after he's visited his friend for the second or third time that he's driving in the car, and I don't know what it is about the scene of somebody like having their their emotional moment in a car that just gets me. But this got me as well. Like he's driving yeah. away and he's, you know, he's, he's kind of isolated on the road, on the highway, driving away where, from where he's visited his friend in the hospital who's clearly not doing well. And he just starts bawling. Right. I, I don't know what it is when somebody's like in the car by themselves and is having their, their alone moment where it's just them and their thoughts really got to me and you could it was just you could tell it was a lifetime of tragedy falling down on him in that moment and he's wiping right. away tears and just trying to keep it together i thought he was a fantastic actor i thought he was a very, i thought he did an excellent job as well but my understanding and i i don't fact check but i did a little scooter research but my understanding is that that uh brady here is actually his real name is brady jandro and the guy who plays his dad is his real life dad, and yep. the girl who plays his sister is his real life sister, yep. and that he's a real life rodeo rider who fell and almost died and decided to go back to the rodeo. So this is almost a documentary, but it's like a reenactment or a fictionalization of what happened to him. Um, even his friend, even his buddy Lane, is played by Lane, who's who is this real life friend who had the same kind of fate befall Correct. him. Um, so it's a weird, I feel like it exists in this weird gray area of like, it's a documentary, but it's a reenactment, but it was so well done that I would believe that this Brady guy is an actor and that, that could be his full-time job. But so that moment in the car, I mean, it could just be honestly him remembering what was going through his head or just reacting to seeing his buddy in such dire straits. I mean, it, it was very powerful that, that scene you're talking about, but the whole film I felt like was full of those moments where I I kept being surprised by how well acted it was given that these aren't professional actors. So I too did a little bit of research after watching the film because as soon as the credits started rolling, I was blown away to see that every all the characters in the movie like shared the same first real life first name as their characters right. and that they were clearly related and family members. So I dug into it a little bit to find out that yeah, I think that this is the first movie that any of them have been in like these are like first time actors yeah and yes the, the, the director described it as kind of like a a 50 percent true story so i, I think it's, it's almost exactly the way that you just described it as this is sort of a fictionalized semi-autobiographical account of their lives and that realism that whether it's a documentary or a recreation with people who are really there, I thought it the whole thing just felt so authentic and in a really powerful, moving way, even just from the first two minutes of the movie, which are silent. It's just you see Brady taking stitches or staples out of his head, cooking himself something to eat, just kind of quietly walking through his apartment or the house. I just thought after – after the totally phony could only happen in a bad movie best picture grand hotel which we talked about last week <laughs> to to go to this where right. it, like it just smacks you in the face with authenticity from the first frame i thought 
what a what a breath of fresh air and so well done. Yeah. And I also one of the thing that even though again the movie is sad but not depressing, I really liked the main character. I thought he was a great guy, a very loyal friend. He's a strong big brother. He's a hard worker who doesn't ask for much and he's not really even asking for much out of his own life. Like yeah. I felt like he is just like doing his best with what he's got. He's passionate about doing what he loves and and that's and and defending those around him. I mean seeing him with his friend Lane at the hospital or when he and his buddies go to get go to get effed up and they like bring a bunch of beer and they end up praying for Lane and then kind of all all quietly just being somber with each other. I mean I just felt like what a good guy and a pretty good group of guys. So I just found it was again refreshing after this year where there were so many movies we watched where I couldn't find one character to root for to have a movie where I was genuinely interested in the protagonist landing on his feet. Yeah. Okay, good, good. Yeah. Well, what didn't you like about it? Is there anything you didn't like about it? Um, I didn't like, so spoiler alert, I didn't like that near the back half of the film he gets a new horse named Apollo and that Apollo hurts itself so badly that Apollo needed to be put down. I just, it felt a little on the nose with he got an injury and so the only thing they could do for him is kill the horse and then Brady even has a scene with his sister where he's like, that could have been me. And that it's like right after that, he decides he's not going to go out to pasture or let himself be killed. He's going to go back to the rodeo. So it just felt like a little on the button. Yeah. And it just was incredibly sad. I mean, yeah. the the scenes they had with, with Brady and the horses, you said horse montage. There was a lot. I was mesmerized by each of them. He really had a way with the animals and the way it was edited and watching it come together was was sort of beautiful. It's, I would have watched more horse montage. They are they are done so artistically and almost wordlessly. Like I, yeah. I mean, it's just sometimes there's a little bit of score. Sometimes there's not. Right, and, and it's just him for ten minutes training a horse, and it's it's cut here and there. I mean, it, it is all beautiful. But I agree with you. I mean, for me, the whole thing is just seeing an animal get hurt. I right. mean, looking at the the horse's poor leg injury is just gut-wrenching and the fact that his dad needs to come and put the animal down because Brady right. can't is just gut-wrenching. I mean, you know, we're, we're, we're pet owners. We love our animals. Like it's, it's not yeah. cool to watch that, especially since this was kind of his, his redemption, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. I, he couldn't have his prior horse. His dad had to sell it to make some money for the family. And so this was kind of second rate horse that he got, but he'd, kind of nursed into uh, right. being a, a, a trained animal. And th- that was heartbreaking. So, to, but to, for me, that's the only thing I didn't like. What about you? Is there anything you didn't like? No, not, really beyond that, not much more. I mean, seeing an animal get hurt is really difficult. And I feel that, you know, there, there's a fair amount of this hour and 40 minute long movie that's wordless and horses. Now it's, it's, <laughs> Again, you take a postcard of any one of those, and it's the greatest yep. postcard you can send from South Dakota to anywhere in the world. So, I mean, there, it, it was a gorgeous, beautiful Western film. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I would say that's about it. I guess if, if I want to be, you know, funny and picky about it, the accents are, are really heavy. Like, I mean, this, oh, okay. this, is, this is like, <laughs> this is almost 
like you know Fargo was satirical, but like this is really beyond that with the accents, right? Like that they're they're tough to listen to. It, for the whole first half of the movie, I was like, is this is this in Canada? Is that where we're watching this movie? I, I didn't get it at first. Well, honestly, the the way they spoke is what made me think: is this a documentary, and are these trained actors? Because this didn't reek of a screenplay and it didn't reek of professional yeah. actors trying to sound like they're from South Dakota. This, this like his buddies felt like dudes from South Dakota. <laughs> and so right. I, that was sort of my, the tip of the the cap to me of maybe this is real or, and I looked into it a little bit. So I, I hear you and it was different, but I didn't find it like bad different. What's up with that? What's up with that? But but what is up with us having to kill Apollo the horse? Has veterinary science not progressed with horses? Like when my dog hurt his knee, my dog got an MRI. I mean, we had like a specialist come look at all his ligaments. I mean, we you could do like you could spend a million dollars on a dog. You had to take out a second mortgage on your house. But a horse, it's like, oh, your horse hurt its leg? Here's a bullet. I know. Isn't that horrible? Is that all you could do for a horse? I mean, I just was stunned. Like, really? I know. This is is as far as science has gotten us. I don't think we can figure figure out how to treat, like, every every weird kind of cancer in a cat. But we can't figure out how to, like, help a horse beyond something. I know. With a cut leg. Right. Right. If, if this were an elephant in a zoo, like we, we'd be flying in people from all over the world. <laughs> right. Right. Or we'd, we, we'd, we'd airlift this elephant somewhere. Right. Uh, what's up with this town's tattoo artists being the ones to give all the psychological advice to the people in the right. chair? Like they have a lot to say and they think they're the most equipped in town to say it. Like the last thing that. If somebody were giving me psychological advice while they're also drilling ink into my back, I'd just be like, shut up and pay attention. Like, don't screw up my back. Stop talking to me. Stop talking. <laughs> Stop talking. Just, just pay attention to what you're doing. I'm paying you well for this. Right. Well, it was also his buddy. I don't know if you caught I, that. The, the, I, I, it, was, I, it was like his best friend. But, so it but, just... but let's, talk, let's talk about this after you're done drilling right. into my back. Yeah. Like, have you ever been like writing a note to someone while you're talking and suddenly you look down and you've written what you've said. Can right. you imagine that like with, with a right. tattoo? Like like I'm tattooing you and I wrote like hold on a sec. Like right. I just tattooed hold on a sec like on I'm, your back. I'm like on the phone with my wife but also emailing my boss and like I sign off love you. Like because I'm talking to my <laughs> wife at the same time. Like that's exactly what's going on right here. Right. What's up with him buying weed with his dad? Yeah. Was that, was that strange? I just felt Weird. like that's an odd – their relationship was either like really buddy buddy or highly combative, and that weed scene just felt like a weird nexus of the two that I yeah. had trouble wrapping my arms around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what's early in the movie? There's a scene with Brady and his buddies. They're sitting around a campfire. That I think they're going out to get drunk and high, yep. and they all start talking about stories about the rodeo. And, they, and like every story keeps talking about like remember when? And I keep thinking like. This is all you guys do. Like, have you not each heard this story from each other two thousand times? It's like, it's like when my when my great aunt used to come over and like keep right. telling us the same stories at Christmas. Like, yeah, heard that one, heard yeah. that one, heard yeah. that one. Yeah, got like, it, guys. They're all like in their twenties. Like, this was only like four years ago for you. Right. Yeah, of course you remember it. Like, <laughs> it, was, it was like 
couple years ago. Hey, Mike, are you ready for five listener-submitted questions about the rider? Let's, let's do it. Okay, let's go to that portion of the show. Here they are. Thank you, listeners, for submitting the questions. Question number one. Mike, do you have any idea what director Chloe Zhou is doing next? Not at all. No idea what she's doing. Though, I'm sure it'll be good. Y- you can't falter after a strong outing like this, right? I really feel like she's one to watch. This listener said, I've heard it could be a big jump to a Marvel project. Wouldn't it be really? interesting if... Was that a joke or really? For real? Like I don't fact check listener questions. Okay. I think we All right. 247 episodes have shown we never do that. <laughs> uh, but I would be actually really interested to see what she could do with a big blockbuster. Sure, given that yeah. Clearly her command of actors and the subject matter and the cinematography and everything else was, was really astute. I'm totally impressed with her. I can't wait to see what she does next. Question. Oh, so upstream color sequel. I was going to say, so if she did like Aquaman two, you would let us see Aquaman two. Is that what I'm hearing? I hope it's something crazy. I hope it's like plastic man. I know damn well. We're going to have to anyway, so it doesn't matter. (laughs) All right. Question number two. Um, This question, this listener says, is it true that real life actors received minimal training for this film? And sort of a sub- second question is, how did their the authentic depiction of their lives impact your reaction to the film? Well, as you said, we don't fact check. But right. in my minimal research, it seems like that's absolutely the case. And I found it completely authentic. Like, like you said, you're, you're wondering if it's a documentary. I found their accents almost, you know, distracting. <laughs> and then... And then I see the final credits roll, and I realize this is actually a real-life father, son, sister, friend. And I'm like, that that was an emotional moment to me. Like, oh my god, what did I just see? Yeah. That's when I went online and researched the movie a little bit, and I, I'm blown away. I, I, think it's, I think it's incredibly impressive. The thing that got me is once I realized or, or figured out that they were, in fact, real-life people who are sort of reenacting their lives. I think the videos that they watched of Brady being injured and Lane being injured were the real injuries. And so that to me, like if you go back and rewatch those scenes, it's like extra disturbing because you know that that's not like some fake reenactment that was hard. I mean, I found even the, the really small scenes, the authenticity of it, super impressive. Like there's a, there's a scene where Brady's working at, you know, the equivalent of the Walmart in town and some, you know, a, a, a teenager and his younger son bump into him at the store and are asking like, Hey, are you, are you Brady whomever? And wow, really exciting to meet you. They like, they get a picture and an autograph or whatever. And you can tell Brady's ashamed to be there. Like, you know, kind of, this is what I'm, this is just what I'm doing until I can get back on my feet. And the kids, you know, starstruck. And, well, I can't wait to see you ride again. And those characters, these these side characters that I don't know if they were authentic or actually, you know, some sort of uh, extras cast in the film. Right. Right. Super authentic as well. It, it, It really felt very lived in. Yeah, I thought it was great. Question number three, would fans of Westerns enjoy this movie? Absolutely. I'm not even a fan of a Western, but I can appreciate a good Western. And this, to me, had, you know, a lot of the same notes as an Unforgiven and No Country for Old Men. Uh, I I really enjoyed the beauty and cinematography of those, those landscapes in an area of the country that I don't get to see very much. I think you're... 
your reference to Wind River earlier was also a, a sort of an apt. Um, if you liked Wind River, I think you'd really enjoy this movie. Obviously, they're very different stories, but I felt like the the naturalism of the setting and some of the characters could be yeah could be uh, have some overlap there. Question also, number- if you like horses and you like porn, you'll like this movie. <laughs> right, right. What is that from? Horse and porn. <laughs> Jenny McCarthy. That's show. right. That's right. <laughs> Question four. Would you think this film was profitable for the financers? No idea. I, I That's one part I did not research or fact check. I would, gosh. I mean, I would have to think it could have been shot on a pretty minimal budget using, using some local, probably, you know, at the time, non-union actors that were getting into this. So you're, you're going uh, that, union. You're saying no Teamsters, so it was so potentially cheaper. profitable. Yeah. So what you're saying is Teamsters and unions equal unprofitable, too thin margins. No one can make money. That's what uh, that's what all our pro union listeners just heard. What, what, what I'm saying is these guys they, they didn't have a SAG card when they started the movie, right? Like they no. they, 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 they these were rookies. I potentially profitable though you know this this wasn't probably showing in the amc on uh, labor day weekend right good segue to the last question question number five does this type of small narrative drama still have a role in theatrical release or is this more likely sent directly to streaming platforms going forward the latter you think so as sad as it is to say i just i i don't think that the big chains are gonna have space for this anymore especially as they continue to merge and try and figure out what their subscription methods are and how they get people in to a multiplex to sit in a recliner seat and eat you know twenty dollar nachos and eleven (laughs) dollar cocktails this isn't going to be the movie that brings them in to do that unfortunately right i mean the way theaters are going now are are bigger seats bigger theaters but fewer people can fit in them and there's right. only so many theatrical releases a year to go around no i unfortunately i don't think that there's a place for this in your big chains anymore okay well yeah. that was five questions so thanks listeners and, great questions and, and thanks, thank Mike. you listeners all right final thoughts on the rider uh i think that this is a i think it's a great movie i i would encourage people to see it i mean it is a slow burn it's it's certainly not for everybody. Probably I wouldn't encourage my parents to see it. I think my mom would just find it sad and hard to watch the horse get shot and things like that. But uh, it's it's well acted by people whose job is not acting, which is all right. the more impressive. I, too, really enjoyed it. I think it is well worth people's time. And uh, when it does arrive on streaming, I would encourage people to to give it you know, a full 30 minutes before you decide whether it's for yeah. you or not. Cause I, yeah. I really think it's, it'll hook you. And I think people will, uh, it'll be well worth their time. Well, real quick, we just wanted to wrap up, um, the sort of 2018 movie going year, which is always odd to be, you know, middle of March. And we're talking about last year, but sure. yeah. maybe we just kind of, maybe your top three or five movies. We don't have to go like, sure. why just what were they? And then maybe your worst movie you saw last sure. year. All right. Yeah. No, it sounds, yeah. sounds good. You want me to start? Sure. To, to tag on to our point earlier, this was a tough year to come up with a top list. I, I couldn't come up with a top 10. I came up with the top five, but I really do feel like this year was the year of movies that were kind of like a lot of, yeah, that was fine. Like, it's it a good C+. Even the best picture winner is I'd put in that category. Yeah. It's not in my top five. 
Uh, so so starting starting from five, my favorites were Roma. Oh boy, one of your favorites, I know. Isle of Dogs. Okay. Spider Man into the Spider Verse. Okay. A Star is Born. Oh. And Mary Poppins Returns were my favorite five movies of the year. Worst, Holmes and Watson. Oh wow! Okay. <laughs> that, that that was that was a doozy though. You know, I I was even. It's been a while since we saw it, and I and I think when we reviewed it, I was sort of like, yeah, this is okay. But but I've really grown sour on Bohemian Rhapsody every day since we oh, saw wow. it. Like I like it less and less the more I think about it. So that that was that was in the worst of uh, brain space. How about you? Fair enough. All right. So for my top five, I, I had like a top eight or so, but the, the top okay. five were Mission Impossible Fallout. Okay. Free Solo. Spider Man Into the Spider Verse. Okay. Isle of Dogs and Paddington 2. Oh, wow. Yeah. All right. You Fantastic. keep encouraging me to see that movie, and I yeah. have not yet so seen it. So charming. I'm, <laughs> I'm taking you on your word for that one, and I'm actually really excited to see it. And my worst movie of the year, I actually have a tie, so I know it's a cheat, but I think the, the two worst movies I sat through, both at the theater, one was The Predator, terrible, <laughs> and then Mile 22 <laughs> with Mark Wahlberg. That was just a tough set. <laughs> I mile twenty two couldn't hit my list because I just had so much fun sitting with you and drinking those beers at Flicks and it was a great having their great beer food. was great yeah. food was great yeah. theater was great yeah movies just sucked all right the movie well, was bad yeah. well coming up next we've got what will probably be at the top of Mike's list this year the new Marvel film Captain Marvel <laughs> starring Brie Larson and Samuel L Jackson thanks for listening to the spoiler alert podcast. Please visit us online at movieoutsiders.com, where you can see what films we'll be discussing next, comment on our recent episodes, suggest movies to review or topics to discuss, or submit questions for the five questions segment of the podcast. Stop by and visit our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash movieoutsiders, and be sure to follow us on Twitter at movieoutsiders. If you're a fan of the show, we'd really appreciate you leaving a review on iTunes, Overcast, Stitcher, or whatever podcast subscription service you use. We'll be back again next week with another episode, but until then, enjoy the movies.